Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. That ability to kind of like fine tune yourself to be better for your kids, that's like the ultimate thing that I'm trying to define as a father. Hey everyone, welcome to Attentive Fatherhood on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Bradley Hasemeyer. Each week, I bring you honest and hilarious conversations with men from all types of backgrounds. But at the end of the day, we all just want to be better dads. Question. What does an art college graduate turned car culture event creator know about raising two daughters? Only Ezekiel Wheeler of Auto Conduct can answer that one. But first, hey, attempters, and welcome back. Woo, season three is in full swing. I had a few interviews last week. I've got one tomorrow and a few next week. It is stacked, guys. I got to tell you, it is stacked like the Bulls in the 90s or like the Bash Brothers, Conseco and Maguire. It is it is a stacked season. I got to tell you. I hope your week's been stellar. Mine's been pretty good. I've been consistent with my gym time. Uh, I, I posted about that recently, about how working out, whether it's running or uh, being at the gym is really such an important aspect to my day and to my week, making me the best guy I can be. I've heard it said, my gym time now is about sanity and not vanity. And that's been that's been totally true. I've really enjoyed that. And so anyway, that's that's helped make this a really good week. I have had some really frustrating, kind of deep internal conversations with myself about money or the lack of it because of a couple projects or whatever. And, and just trying to understand how I see money and, and the value that I put on that and the pressure I put on myself as a dad to feel like I need to provide so much for the family, right? Clearly, we need to have food on the table, but I, I, I feel like I, I've got to go above and beyond that. I want nicer things. I want more opportunities. I want, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm, I've been really wrestling a lot with kind of my identity in that. So that was, there's a couple of heavy days last week, just me just feeling like crap, just in the dumps, just like thinking about that. Anyway, but also been great. Had some great coffee. Uh, had had a few cool things come up too. Had a good meeting today with a with a camera team about shooting some stuff. So I'm feeling good. I am a little tired. Loic has been randomly waking up in the middle of the night the past few days or nights or whatever. Did I mention coffee? That's that's what's getting me through this right now. But yeah, so it's been a good week. Hey, listen, don't forget to be following us on Instagram. Did you like that transition? At Attempting Fatherhood and DM me if you want some of these stickers, some show swag. I've had a couple people reach out, so stickers are in the mail. And please make sure you are sharing the show. I know I say this all the time, guys, but generally speaking as men, we're not great at this kind of thing. I get it. I don't even share my own show all that often. This is my show. I'm putting in the work and I don't always share it, but uh, it is vital to the growth and the success of the show. And you guys are the only ones that can do that. So really want to get more people on board with this. Obviously, the positive feedback has been that this is so important for people's community and, and understanding dad life. So this is my uh, this is my ask. If you've enjoyed an episode or two, pass it on. Facebook, you know, repost on Instagram. You can repost it in stories. You could tag a friend. You could text someone a link. You could, you know, whatever, while you're at, I was going to say swim lessons, but Bradley, it's October. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's October. Okay, enough about that. Ezekiel Wheeler. Yes, a guy who's very into cars has the last name 
Wheeler. He and I go back as auto journalists many, many years ago. We were on a bunch of press events together. That's where car companies take you out to somewhere, you know, maybe the desert and you go drive a Nissan Pathfinder or uh, went to Costa Rica one time and, and uh, oh, I'm sorry, went to Puerto Rico, went to Puerto Rico and drove Mini Coopers, which is awesome, except when there's like these huge semi trucks coming down these twisty uh, mountains and they don't care about you. Anyway, I don't even know if he was on that trip, but those are the types of trips that we met going. He started out going to school for car design in Pasadena at the very, very famous uh, design center there. Then in 2008, everything kind of dropped. He didn't have anywhere to go. Jobs dried up. So he got in the freelance journalist game, uh, which, like I said, is where we met. He went on to work with agencies and for different auto brands. But now he's got his own thing called Auto Conduct, which is kind of like like an, I think he calls it an automotive culture brand that provides a voice to the unrepresented automotive enthusiast. I love that. They have these really cool events that have been happening for years and they're only getting bigger. There's meetups. He's opening a space in downtown LA for car storage because a lot of people in LA have really nice cars, but they don't want to park them on the streets. People use their garages as square footage. So there's probably an office or something. So that's a great idea. He's also got this kind of like car hub for people to meet up and and come and check out. It's gonna be like a showroom and stuff. I can't wait to see it when it's done. That's 2022. So make sure you're following at Autoconduct on social media. Here are his dad stats. He lives in Pasadena. He's been married for only two years, but he's been with his wife for six. They have two daughters, a five-year-old and a three-year-old and two dogs, one of which makes a cameo in the interview. And we talk about cars for a minute, how he, he can't own a car for more than 12 months. I don't know if you feel that way. He says leases are just you know the, the bane of his existence, but he indulges himself. He talks about how starting a business, running a business is really very similar to being a dad and how there's a lot of overlap there. He also talked about how his own personal growth is helping him become a better father and and he's not pulling from those the roots of his past, of his upbringing, from his passionate in all things Spanish father who would who would kind of pop off when something goes wrong. He'll talk about that. This is really cool too. We haven't really talked much on this podcast uh, about this, but he brings up how complex it can be if you raise your kids differently than you were raised by your parents and then you leave them at grandma and grandpa's for a night or a few days or whatever, and you have to come up with a way to, to talk to your parents, their grandparents, about how to adapt their grandparenting in terms of discipline or whatever. Like maybe maybe you grew up being spanked, but you don't spank. So now you have to have that conversation about why. And, and really, that's not an easy thing. I mean, you're asking someone to totally change Uh, how they've always done it. And so anyway, we talk about that and how that goes. Okay, okay, enough of me teasing you. Now it's time to find out how Ezekiel Wheeler is attempting fatherhood. Is that a real setting behind you? That that is my living room. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, looks. this is the kids get the F out room. Like don't, this is mom's rug and don't put anything on it. So she's been really good for the past four months since we moved in of like keeping everybody, including myself, so afraid to actually go in there. So <laughs> right, right. every now and again, That's... I'll be like, I'm going to sit on this amazing leather couch we bought. And then I like yes. five minutes into it is like, I feel really guilty. I should probably get out of here. So I'm just, I'm just going to, I'm going to walk away. I'm going to walk <laughs> yeah. away from it. It's almost like really, it should just be augmented reality or something right. like there should just be holograms. Cause yeah. like, we're not going to, I'm not allowed to sit on it. We may as well not pay for the real thing. Let's yeah. just, kind of broadcast that up there. I think <laughs> totally. that could be pretty rad, right? Yeah. The people listening at home should know behind Ezekiel really looks like 
a Zoom background that you would download from <laughs> Restoration Hardware. It's beautiful. Uh, it's very peaceful. It's very zen. You're coming to me bright and early from nine o'clock on the West Coast. Thank you for taking time to chat with me. Absolutely. Uh, you've got your coffee. What are you drinking? Just straight up black? Have you gotten to that point? No, like I, I'm, I'm monkey with mine. I do a pour over style. I'm yeah. drinking some coffee from a small batch roaster here in LA called Alana's. Absolutely love them. Amazing. That was actually where I threw my first car show was in there. Really? Parking lot. Yeah. So that was five years ago. <laughs> so loyal customer. Give me uh, give me a, like a quick bio. Yeah. Uh, Art Center alum did car design by the 2008 downturn all the jobs were gone for designers <laughs> so i ended up in the journalism field where we met grace of god yeah, yeah i ended up in the journalism field and it's taking me on this amazing ride and eventually spun off into pr land where i did jag land rover ended up in the advertising world started my business auto conduct uh and it was a small pop-up car show that we did every single month. So I took the formula of running a magazine. After that, five years later, in over 40 or 50 different locations, we did it every single month. Uh, we've grown into an independent multimedia company and car culture experience company. It's nuts, man. Look, I'm a guy that loves all types of cars. <laughs> I, I love a Porsche as much as I love an old 32 Deuce. I love, you know, uh, new trucks as well. I'm in a, a Polestar 2 right now as a press vehicle. That's a lot of fun. I'm having a blast driving that. Uh, you know, I got my dad into it. My mom's from the lowrider era uh, in Arizona. So I get it from all facets. And it's just like, hey, one day I'm going to touch all these cars and at least experience them or own them. Uh, I'm a little bit of a car owner schizo. So I, I can't own a car for more than 12 months like it's, it's gotta go like leases are really really bad with me unless i know i'm getting something i could like break even on <laughs> my attention span is so short that i'm like uh six eight months out of my lease i should probably sell it and i found like 15 other cars that'll dive into so i love the entrepreneurial aspect to your life that even before you started a business you really kind of were you know i'm a freelance person as well which essentially you were you kind of bounced between you know i guess more traditional jobs, but still with a freelance spirit because you, it, that whole advertising marketing world is so fluid. You could be out the next day because a client oh, doesn't yeah. resign or whatever. So that happened to me. <laughs> that happened to you. Like, you. See, that's why I literally walked into the office the next day after planning this whole thing. And they were like, Hey dude, we got to let you go. And I was like, what? <laughs> so I called my boss. I was like, yo, they let me go. He's like, April fools is on Friday. I was like, no bro, I'm gone. <laughs> wow. Well, I like to ask my dads how their kind of professional world, uh, is similar to dad Ooh, life. man. Um, this one, it was a tough question for me to kind of like figure out those parallels because you just live it. Yeah, yeah. And when you live it and then have to define it, you're like, oh man, I need a minute. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> so I, I think the two things that stand out most to me is being able to be nimble and patient. And that's very, very difficult to do. Not only as a father raising children and reminding yourself that they have never seen or experienced 99% of the things that happen on a day-to-day -day basis. And then being nimble enough to understand when your kid's being a little, uh, what's the right word? Uh, <laughs> so many uh, words coming to mind right when now. When they're planning and, and plotting in their head of how, of how to like get what they want and you see it and you're just like, okay, this is coming. And am I going to be upset? Or am I going to deal with this like a normal human being? <laughs> there is no normal. If anything, dad there, life there teaches really you, there is no normal. It's like, 
can I be a trained child psychologist when this manipulation <laughs> this comes out of her single mouth? Moment. Or am I going to be reflections of my childhood and be like, what the hell are you talking yes. about? Like, no, that's not how we do things. You know, the rules I've told you for five years that that's the rules <laughs> and today you want it to change. So it's just like, okay, having the patience to really internalize and see it coming and then be like, okay, you can't be mad. Like they're trying, they're literally trying to figure yeah. things out, even though they know the yep. rules they're trying to figure it out or when you see them learning and that's like super rewarding like i finally got my daughter on a little roller coaster out in big bear and i was like yes (laughs) i was like that's such a big big win because the amount of courage she had to draw up and it's not like i forced it it was like the amount of courage she had to like muster up to be like daddy i want to do that and you're like are you sure like when we get to like a dad's got to pay 20 dollars to the head be, <laughs> you know, let's be real. I'm not wasting 20 bucks. If we're going to get to the front, you're going to cry. So, <laughs> but you know, teachable moment <laughs> yeah. if it does happen. So for me, it's like when we got to that line and she buckled in and she saw everything happening and then other card and the other card and the anticipation. And she was just like, dad, let's go fast. And I was like, let's <laughs> do it. Speak my language. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's amazing. But waiting for that and letting it just happen on its own is really hard. And then the ability to be nimble. Um, because nimble means fast and patience means slow. That's such so a good point. Like yes. The two things that actually like contradict each other in terminology are the two things that are like the most binding thing that you can do as a father in my experience, because being able to be nimble and just roll into the next thing or, you know, ignore the manipulation and go on to the education, the educational moment or, or, or and I use manipulation as just kind of like a broad sense of the term. Yeah, not sure, that sure. My little daughter is a conniving not this nefarious attempt yeah Yeah, exactly exactly. she's not a bond villain just daily (laughs) trying to figure out how to rule the world looking for the cookies yo you yes you dad it's time to start caring a little bit more about yourself you're doing a great job keeping those little humans alive but if your personal hygiene game is slipping It's okay. The folks at Bird Hair are stepping up to help out. They're offering 15% off all of their products to Attempting Fatherhood listeners using the code BIRDAF. That's B-Y-R-D-A-F. So go ahead, grab some body wash, hair product, or shampoo. It's made in California using super clean and natural ingredients, and every purchase directly supports Attempting Fatherhood. So it's a win-win. Okay, back to the show. I also asked my dads how they define fatherhood. It seemed like you kind of mixed that in there a little bit. How how would you define fatherhood as of now in your parenting journey? As of now, uh, I'm learning more about myself as a person um, only because I see so much of myself in my kids. And I was Mm. like, oh man, I used to do that. I was a little shit and did that once, (laughs) you know? Um, And I I have to kind of reverse psychology myself to kind of dial things out or tune things in. And that ability to kind of like fine tune yourself to be better for your kids. That's like the ultimate thing that I'm trying to define as a father, because in my head, and this might go for other dads out there, there's still this part of your brain that thinks you're still like a 20 year old that is living (laughs) in this alternate reality. And you're just like, Okay, I'm a imposter dad, syndrome. And then yeah. it's like, I'm looking at my dad like, no, that's my dad. Like, that's, that's a dad. dad. 
and I'm, then I'm looking that at myself. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, she's calling me dad. And I still think I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to go meet up with the boys later and just kick it. And I'm just like this weird, it's just this weird state of being in your head where you feel more adolescent and displaced. Uh, but the thing that pulls you back into it is your present reality and being more present and understanding who you are in that moment really gets rid of the adolescent kind of like nipper in the back of your head and just kind of like gets you out of this. Like I'm looking down at this, like, okay, as an adolescent, what's going on here? But the then as an experience. adult, yeah, yeah. as an adult and you're in this moment and look, dad life happens freaking fast. Yeah. Um, when you get those moments to like, and it could be five seconds, but to just pull back and be like, whoa, okay, here's what's going on. How do I separate the adolescence from the adult and be more of the adult and less of the adolescent? Because that'll always live there because we always want to be youthful. Yeah. So it's just really interesting to kind of live that life and figure out a definition of being present while still being aware of who you are. And, and dad defining kind of dad for me is like, honoring both of those two things because I still want to remain my, my youthful curiosity. Cause I think that's what, what truly brings me a different perspective into being a dad, but then being the adult in the room and acting like the confident individual that needs to carry out the rest of this life. So, exactly. Has yeah. that always that kind of like tension? Has it always kind of been this, you know, 50, 50 or was that? Yeah, like- I mean, it's, it's shifted for me. Like when, the minute my daughter was born, it was definitely 80% adult, 20% adolescent. Like all these things need to be packed up and thrown away. You are a dad. Right. And you will live in this moment. You will breathe. Was that easy? It was very easy for me. I grew up around a lot of kids. A uh, very big Mexican family, Hispanic family, Spanish family, like my dad's Spaniard, my mom's Mexican. Um, and so it's like just this constant rotating door of children, all ages, older, younger, babies, fresh cousins. I, I don't even know you. You're here at the party. I'm going to hold your kid. That's just the way it goes. Um, so I was, a, I was a bit of an odd duck going through school and things like that. Like, yeah, I, I had my career goals and ambitions, but I always really looked forward to being a dad. Really? Even when you Even were when young? I was young. Yeah. Super young. Yeah. I always had, I always had this like an inner calling that I will be a father at some point. I think at, at one point in high school, I was like, yeah, I don't want to be an old dad. Uh, you know, anything past 25. Of course <laughs> I passed 25 and I was like, thank God I am not a father yes. right now. But <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't have my first kid till I was like 31, 30, 31, something like that. Yeah. That I was 31 yeah, as well. So I think all in good timing. Um, you know, yours, your, your card will be called up when you're ready. And that carried through the minute, you know, my wife and I found out we were pregnant. Uh, it was just kind of like a light switch moment for me. You know, I adore my wife and it was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to do this. And we weren't married at the time. So it was just, we were literally, I think we dated (laughs) eight, nine months (laughs) and we found out, yeah, I got a brand new job. I went to do a, a, an event and came back and it was the golden globes. And she, she was like, huh, might want to get a thing. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And it was like, okay, the rest of my life changed from that moment on. Two years later, we had our second one and it was just like, oh, wow. Okay. We're really a family now. So a year later we got married. <laughs> so you may as well. Kids, I like it's it's I kind of well. backwards. We're this far down the conga line. Yeah, we definitely did it backwards. Everything was backwards. <laughs> was that like a, a conscious like we don't want to get married because we're like we don't need marriage? Like was it that oh, type no. of couple of thing? It was just like we're just not both busy close. and it's just like I don't know. Not even like, close. 
No, like three months into a relationship, there's this joke that my wife and I have, ha- have. It's like, okay, her friends were saying, hey, Zeke's a good guy, blah, blah, blah. You should probably like still see him, yeah. you know? And I, I say it as that was still my croppable moment. Like I was still <laughs> croppable out of photos at that time. I've never heard that. So, that is so yeah. good. So that it's resonates. like, you know, you're dating, but then you're not really truly invested and yeah. it doesn't hit until you have that conversation. So yeah. it's like, okay, we're seeing each other and you're not seeing anybody. So, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you're still kind of croppable. Do I want to show you to my family? Do I want to show you on my Facebook feed? <laughs> oh my so gosh. like, that's our like little joke that we have is like, was I, what, at what moment we can kind yes. of pick out time periods and be like, was this a croppable period or yeah. was this like, we were serious period. I feel like there's a lot of times that there'll be moments in my life, either in my marriage or just professionally or whatever, that I'll look back and be like, is that something my parents dealt with? Or was that something my parents talked about? And I just think there's such a difference in dating, in relationships. I mean, yes, certainly there's a lot of overlap. Love is important, honesty, these types of things. But I feel like, are we making it more complicated or is it just more complicated? Because my parents were like, you're cool, you're cool. Let's date, let's get married. We had kids, I got a job. It just, at least from the outside, that's what it seems like. But living it, it's like, there's so many decisions. This is crazy. We know all our options. That's the problem. It's like, Ah. we have literally every single option at our fingertip. And- at the time that I was dating my wife, all the dating apps had come out. So it's like, now yeah. that's the only way people find dates. Yeah. And the pandemic yeah. made crazy. it worse because now, right. guess sure, what? Sure. If you keep swiping, you always have another option. And you don't get yeah. to invest in somebody that truly did pique your interest in the first place. Like, there have been people in my past that I've had to go back and look at retrospectively again learning about myself of like why did i date that person Mm. like their Mm. life has turned out this way my life has turned out this way how would our lives have intersected and you know just a fun brain exercise to go through on a a saturday with some bourbon but (laughs) if your wife goes to bed earlier and you're sitting there i'm not saying troll and like stalk your ex's facebook pages but i'm saying words i'm not i'm not we are not supporting this listeners we are not supporting this but if it mentally reflect on your past life and it's helpful timeline of like how you've ended up in this spot and i'm guaranteeing a lot of men have gone to that place but it's just kind of like when you take those moments and you kind of look at those like little things and then you realize the person that you're with assuming you've made the correct choice (laughs) you can't imagine having made a different decision and it's because you've invested that time now if the if yeah we've made it more complicated if you look at our parents it was like i'm at high school you're at this high school that's pretty cool (laughs) are you gonna go to college probably not i've got this dope job over here okay college is pretty expensive um you want to do this thing yeah that that, that, i mean it's and if you listen to those like marriages that are like 30 40 50 60 70 years it's like how did you do it and it's like why wouldn't i have done it right right you know and it's so blatantly obvious like was it hard of freaking course it's hard yeah yeah like Marriage is the hardest thing that you possibly can do. And then you add parenting on top of it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you yes. Know? Which is even, yeah, and clearly a, a stressor. I, I always had this thing. My mom would ask me, what kind of women do you want? Of course, 
moms have their own idea of what kind of women I want. <laughs> sure. There's <laughs> what kind of woman do I yeah. want you to have? And there's yeah. what kind of woman do you want? Totally, Those are two different totally. things. Totally. Yeah. My mom's like Southern Baptist, you know, Mexicana. It's just oh, like, yo, yeah. you know, you got to marry in the Christian. You got to do this. You got to yep. do that. I did not. <laughs> yep. And I How always did that told go? my mom. I, it, was, oh, it was tough. That was tough. It was tough. Yeah. Well, I'm very close to my parents. And so it's, yeah. it's still tough. Um, yeah. Now the relationship is completely different. Like, and I know that because of who my parents are and how they've raised me and how they would interact with my life and my partner. And that's opened up a different world for us. Mm. Uh, it was definitely difficult leading up to it. You know, my mom definitely didn't want me to have a kid before marriage. Yeah, my mom sure. definitely didn't want to live with somebody before marriage. My yep. mom definitely didn't want to be with somebody that was older and had a previous yeah. life and all these other things. And it I'm was almost going, as if you were like taking, what, what's the list you what, have, What do you mom? want? Yeah, I'm going right, to do the opposite of literally <laughs> everything. I'm Isn't sure. that the way they say it goes though? But Yes. Uh, for me, it was just kind of interesting because I told my mother from day one, I was like, you know what fascinates me is like, I've dated women of your list. Yeah. Um, and I've dated women who are not your list. And you know what? At the end of the day, I want someone that says, I love you, but fuck you. Yeah. Yep. I think <laughs> you it's know? great. Because I need yeah. the, the deep commitment, but I also need the reality check. That's so and good. I also need the fair and balance. And I also need the confidence and knowing that other person knows who the hell they are yes. and things that don't work for them yes. can work and we have to work together to figure it out. I think that honesty, I mean, really what, what, you're, what you're connecting to with that phrasing is just the honesty, is, to, is the freedom for the other person to be able to say, this is how I'm feeling right now, yep. instead of either A, consciously repressing it, or yep. maybe even worse, B, subconsciously repressing it. Yeah. And that's how you get your Ray Romano moments, right? Where you oh, get, yeah. uh, you know, the, the Ziploc bags. Why didn't you pick up the Ziploc bags? Like, it's just Ziploc <laughs> totally. bags. It's not about the totally. bags. And, yeah. and so you get that. It's never about the bags. Yeah, yeah, it's never about the bags. Never yeah. about the laundry, whatever. So I, I love that aspect. I think that's something that I was really... Uh, blessed with, with Kirsten, without even knowing I needed, you know, it was kind of yeah. one of those things. Yeah. That, and again, if I had sought that out at 25, it would have been a different thing than at 30 it's or 31. Totally different. And it's like, look, I get the ticking clocks. I get the, Hey, my friends all got married and have these big baller weddings, yeah. like in weddings, that's a whole different, oh. we eloped. Yeah. Like, that it, the, between the family dynamics and the, the whole thing, it was just like, fuck that. You know what? No. Like, all I knew is my brother was going to be my witness. I had two of my best friends shoot it. My kids were there. Great. And we had a judge in Beverly Hills, Maris, not at the, the Beverly Hills Cop City Hall. No, location. No, 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 no. Around the corner is this really <laughs> dilapidated, crazy oh, looking 1950s funny. building that definitely needs updates. And they had a little jukebox cube thing, USB player playing some kind of funky music. Funnier than hell, oh this judge gosh. who married us. And my kids, I thought she's shit in my arms because we were <laughs> like this. And she's throwing her shoes off. And like oh. my wife and I are crying because we're like in this happy oh. moment. And, and then we went to Italy down the street and grabbed pasta with everybody. It was great. And that wasn't long ago. <laughs> that was our wedding. How, far, how long ago? No, no, no. Two years yeah. ago. That was two years ago. May 15th. Amazing. Yeah, that's our. Yeah. So. The, the d dynamic I never considered of what you bring and what your wife brings, right? Like this mm -hmm. idea of family history. Tell me a little bit about growing up, like as far as your dad, what's something that he did that you just love that you were like, this is such a, a, a massive part of who I am and I'm bringing that into the family. And then what's something that you're mm -hmm. consciously leaving There's out? There's two things. So Spaniards are incredibly passionate. And yes. my father is an incredibly passionate man. So he's so, passionate, passionate. 
passionate, passionate, <laughs> like triple passionate. It's insane. So he meets a new friend. It's a half hour conversation about where have you traveled? What have you done? And it, it, and his love for that conversation is truly in that moment. Um, and, and he can diatribe about this whole thing. Had my father gone to college and, and done all these other things, I swear he's an idiot savant. Like the dude is on another platform of what he can retain, how he can interpret it wow. and spit it out. If he was able to do that in a collegiate profession, God knows where their, where their lives would be. Um, wow. And it, that's always been kind of the admirable thing. And my dad chose to go freelance. He did the nine to five thing. I remember running to the door when dad came home and he was in a suit and we grew up in Arizona. So a suit in Arizona in the summer sucks. <laughs> But you know, that smell, not going to hug you, not going to hug you. It's sweaty. Yeah, yeah, totally. But you know, he worked at a, a, as a computer programmer and tech guy and kind of worked his way up through project management and all these things, got his accreditations and and struck out on his own uh, almost 30 years ago. And so I got to watch that process that, that, that I'm a nine for five guy to now I'm freelance and I had to go where the work was. And for as much as he did travel at the beginning, there was times he was in Costa Rica for three months getting a whole center up. There was times he was across the country in like Delaware or somewhere working with those big companies and and figuring that world out. We even moved to Delaware at a certain time period and he would do one month, two months, three months stints, no more than three. And, you know, my mom held down the fort. But for as much as like he was gone during like my, my, my adolescence, he, he never... I never felt like his presence was gone. Ooh, we talked good. all the time. Yeah. We always, he always found time to make sure that he was, he was available in our lives. If I was in trouble, I would hear it on the phone. Yep. If I was, if I did something great, I would hear it on the yep. phone or I would, I mean, there was no FaceTime. I was going to say not, was, not no, that easy. Not at all. We would have to schedule ahead of time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Especially when he was in Costa Rica. I think I was like seven or eight when he was in Costa Rica. And that was a, that was a tough one. It was tough on my mom. It was tough on everybody, but you know, it allowed us to move into a newer neighborhood, allowed us to get a house, uh, you know, upgrade from our last house. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they always kind of made those pushes and they were always very honest about the openness, about the finances, the openness about their relationship, the openness about like what happened when they got to a certain degree. And it was just kind of like all that kind of spills over into my life and trying to manage that and like be that person in my kid's life and say, you know, I'm going to be here for you no matter what. I just took on being a soccer coach. I know nothing about soccer. <laughs> That's so good. But it's like, I'm going to figure this out yep. because my daughter wants to play and yep. she's on a wait list. And the only way to play is if she has a soccer coach. Oh, well, man. no other dads are stepping up, so I might as well do wow. it. Wow. So that's kind of like those things kind of come in. Now, the other side of the passion is the knee-jerk reaction to things. So yes. there's things that come up in life and it's just kind of like, I'm angry and we're going to feel this anger out until it becomes something educational. And I'm trying, I have those tendencies, but I also have my mother's tendencies, which is to introvert and analyze. And when you introvert and analyze and never get it out, then the other person is always at a default. Like they can never Mm -hmm. really get the jump start going. Right. Right. So for me, it's like, okay, if I'm in the passionate conversation zone like is it coming out too forceful is it like how do i dial it back like oh wow even i stepped past my own back yeah yeah and it's yeah. like i don't want to do that like my parents spanked yep. mexican household i don't so yeah, that's likewise. a big thing that's, for me i grew up with it and and we just don't and use it, it that one's tough because my mother not to say she wants to spank my kids has to enforce right. it differently 
So right. it has to be the leader differently. Um, right. and it has to kind of like make sure that certain boundaries aren't crossed differently. Um, yeah. and that's been educational for her. Yeah. Uh, and we've all it's kind a big of found ask. this like, it is, it is, it's huge. Cause it, back in the day, it was like, Hey, your kids had it, like, that's knock it. it off. you know, yep. that was it. Um, for me, it's like my wife and I, it's just, we can be stern. We can be deflective or whatever, because again, you have to go back to like, does my kid know exactly what's going on? And if they do, they should know better. Mm-hmm. And this is where you kind of have those teachable moments. But it's like those two things is like dialing down the passion, figuring out how to re-educate my hardwiring and not fall into those, you know, old school tropes that quite honestly aren't acceptable. And it's like today it's like, man, I can't imagine doing that. So. Do you see that passion in uh, Illy or Senna more than the other? Are they both kind of pretty even with that? Definitely Illy. It's hard to yeah. know their kids more, more really. Okay. She's, she's that espresso, she's the espresso shot. shot. 100%. She is the little firecracker. Like when she's angry, it's like, she's like, full. you're going to see me angry. Um, <laughs> you know, if she doesn't want to do something. It's a flail. It's a, it is a yep. very yep. visceral emotion attached to nervous system experience. <laughs> um, that's really funny. It just, there's no, there's no real yeah. bridge. It's just a direct yep. connection. This thing happens. This reaction happens. Yeah, zero to a hundred. Yeah. Um, and then Senna, she's much more the introvert. She's much more the like, okay. Uh, yesterday a friend couldn't come over cause mom wasn't feeling good. So we're just like, no, it's fine. Like stay home. It's not, don't stress yeah. yourself. And, uh, she was a little bummed about that cause we've been building it up. Like a friend's yeah. gonna come over and it didn't quite work out. And so for like an hour, she was just laying you know, on the couch or actually on the carpeted rug floor situation, just kind of like feeling that emotion of like, Hey, this didn't work out. Why? And she eventually got out of it, but she's the kid that needs to go through that in order to puppy freaking out. Hey pups. (laughs) He just got home. So, uh, he's looking for his toy. We got a puppy, but like three, four months ago. So (laughs) sure. Why not? Let's just add something else in the mix. Right. Couple of kids, new business. Yep. What else could we do? Uh, dog. Uh, yes, let's do dog. Yeah, great. Yeah. Existing pandemic still. Yeah, great. Let's yeah, do dog. And I think I'm going I to think dedicate myself to being a pilot next, just for shits and giggles. <laughs> what? No, I'm kidding. This is the next thing for <laughs> no, you? No, no. Oh, no. oh. <laughs> I'm playing golf. That's about it. <laughs> It'll be pilot conduct. <laughs> no, I'm definitely playing golf, um, and I'm trying the, to figure that out. So, one of the dads we spoke with. Uh, Gar Rynas batting stance. Uh, Gar, he's actually in LA oh, cool. in um, Atwater, okay. so he's kind of that, yeah, yeah, that, that way. Um, he's got two kids, uh, a 15 year old and uh, maybe 17 year old. One's in college mm-hmm. and, and one is a little bit younger. I used to babysit them when I oh, lived wow. in LA, and now it's just like, what? This is crazy. Yeah. But he was talking about like his two daughters. One, you know, he's like, this is why you have to discipline differently. This is why spankings essentially, in my mind, don't really work because that's an across the board thing. Whereas he's like, you know, one of my kids, I really have to push to do something. Yeah. You know, you have a you have a, a a three hour play with your friends limit. The other person, I've got to pull back. I've got to reel them back. So, you know, you have to really kind of treat those two as different instances. And I think that's such a complicated thing as a parent, not just a father, but a parent to try to find out how do we add, how do we let our kids be who they are? Mm -hmm. 
who their spirit was born to be, how God created them, these, these elements to who they are, and, and yet at the same time provide some tools and some rails for them to be able to exist in society yeah. by not just popping off or laying <laughs> on the couch for an hour. Yeah. You know, it's like it can't yeah. be either. Right. Uh, but it's interesting because you're also talking about that dichotomy as an adult, as you parent between the adolescent oh, yeah. and the adult. Like they, that's they still live in you as well. Simultaneously. And I think the more you become situationally aware of those like mm. moments of truly how you're feeling and it's not easy to do. I mean, I, yeah. I, I'll be completely honest. I had a nervous breakdown. What was it like, uh, almost two years ago. Um, okay. it was shortly after was we that got a, married a moment. It was okay. definitely a moment. It was an out of body okay. moment. Like me not understanding where the heck my spirit and my body were at the same time. And so Whoa. since that time, it was, completely surreal. And, um, I, I had these, like, I had this one just absolutely vivid, crazy nightmare where you, you have that paralysis dream that you have Yeah, yeah. where you're yep. kind of awake, but not really. And you yeah. can't move and you can't talk and things are coming at you and it's yeah. completely bizarre. So the, through that process, I, I realized that was kind of a wake up moment for me of saying, yeah. okay, I gotta like, uh, something's going on. This is not normal for me. Um, I need to talk about it with somebody and like figure out what's going on. So I've been talking to a therapist for since that time period. And nice. it's been the most, you know, self-rewarding thing of not only just to get things off your chest, but like, yeah. like you'll find your therapist doesn't really talk much. Yeah. They kind of point you a in certain therapist. directions. Yep, exactly. And as you're talking, you have these epiphany moments of like you, you start seeing the thread being, you know, put through the needle. Mm. And those are the times where you're like, Oh, okay, well maybe I should shift this way or I should communicate that way. Or I should, Hey, when I'm feeling this way, identify that. Why did you feel that way? What was the leading up moment to that feeling? And mm. if you can catch it before you feel it, yeah, then it, it helps you kind of like stay more present breathing has been an incredible thing of just taking that 15 second pause of like you're catching yourself yeah, and constantly just being aware of that has helped me kind of like identify how to be a little bit more calm with my kids, how mm. to be a little bit more bumper guardy and not so like, Hey, I'm the guy that's just going to keep you in the bowling bag all day. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's, that's tough to do because sometimes you're just like, yeah, I don't want you to do after school. You're crying too much. Just come home. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and then there's other times where it's like, girl, you're, you're fortunate that you have two parents that work from home that can pick you right. up. And there's a lot of kids that don't. Yeah. And it's not so much that we can't pick you up. It's like mom and dad have stuff to do in order for us to accomplish what we need to accomplish. And you're learning other things and social skills that you need to be accomplishing. And it sucks now, month one. Yeah. But by month nine, you'll be fine. And, and understanding those moments of desperation, sadness, nervousness mm. in them and trying to help them work through it because you know how to identify it in yourself. Uh, it's such a good, that's such a good word, man. I am horrible at slowing down. That's just not the way I'm made. I'm, you know, it's funny. My wife and I had this conversation um, a couple years ago. I too did therapy and loved it. I was in, I was in LA. So, so I grew up, uh, you know, and, and like my parents are still together. We never had any major deaths. There was no cancerous type of stuff. It was just oh, like, wow. I didn't have yeah. anything 
that was that was like crazy weird to deal Those with life altering moments yeah yeah none of these major life altering moments at least you know i thought so you know right. at least i wasn't conscious of these ones that people would point to mm-hmm. so i get to la i'm in these acting classes and all these emotions just start coming out of the and i'm reading these scenes i start crying or like i'm angry about something and like yourself i'm kind of this out of body like why am i acting like what, Why is this so what much? in me yeah. responds or resonates with this moment in this play yeah. or or this moment on stage or whatever so it's like I, I i need a professional to help kind of rake through this right. I, I didn't know anyone in la i just moved there a month yeah in. well that's and, tough and too. through that it was about three years of just i could barely afford it my therapist worked with me on it but it was so powerfully helpful to provide yeah. that toolbox right like you said to kind of be able to go through stuff um, but you know, it, it's one of those things where I'm the way I was built was just to go. And my yeah. wife was like, listen, you know, let's, let's think about working smarter and not harder. And I was like, that's good. Yeah. That's good. But then I was like, I like working harder cause I can feel the sweat. I can mm. feel the tired. And then I know I'm working sometimes yeah, working those smarter, heart race moments of like yeah. really diving into a project and you're just like, okay, I'm in it. I'm in it. I'm in it. I'm in it. Yeah, yeah exactly. And you can feel that, but then, so, but working smarter is sometimes like sitting back and letting your kid process something instead of yep. you working hard and rushing in or, you know, letting them experience something for a little bit, cry it out in the room for a little bit and mm-hmm. then come in. And so that's something I have to be better at and want to be better at is being smarter, not harder. When I haven't spent time, like, have you taken your golf lesson this week? And I'm like, I haven't even gone to the range to even learn about the last thing I learned about. Like, no way. Um, and even just taking that hour to step aside because I'm not a workout guy. Like, I'm really not. I'm trying to be better about it, but it's very difficult for me because I, I get lost in discovery of information. <laughs> but um, getting into individual sports really got me to challenge myself. And golf is challenging as shit because they put so much stuff in your yeah. way. And you're just like, man, it doesn't need to be like this. <laughs> like, for Guys, real. why'd you put the sand and the water? I'm just, tr- I'm trying to go over there. Yeah. Why'd you do that? This is crazy. There's this great podcast called Country Club Adjacent. I'm addicted to it. And these like four bros that go golfing, it's this new generation of golfing, right? And they just look at it from a very pragmatic, honest perspective. And they had Jim Jeffries on. And he's like, can you you imagine pitching golf? And it's kind of like an adaptation of the Robin Williams, like golf history. But can you imagine pitching golf to Shark Tank? (laughs) It's like, you're going to hit a ball in a hole. Oh, that sounds simple. (laughs) Like, do you need, is a hole close? No, it's really freaking far away. We're going to take a prime real estate and we're going to do, we're going to, you need like 15 different clubs in order to get the ball there. And it's very, very expensive. <laughs> and you, you, only certain people can play it. And, da, 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 and it's this multi-billion dollar industry. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like, this is ridiculous. That Nobody is so would invest in this funny. if this was a new idea. Yeah. As we kind of close things out here, what is something you could leave as a, as a bit of encouragement for all the dads listening out there? Remembering who you are as a, as a person. Um, I had a really, uh, a really good friend in the journalism industry when I had found out that I was going to have a kid and I was kind of telling everybody, hey, I'm going to have a kid. And they're like, holy crap. And uh, he runs um, a Land Rover magazine, uh, Brian Joslin. And love that man to death. But he's had kids for a while. And, and he was like, number one thing, don't forget who you are as a person. If you're the dad who flies helicopters like Micah, be the dad who flies helicopters. Don't give it up. Yeah. Because I'll find a way to make it happen. It may not be your nine to five, but that is the thing that is identifiable with you. 
And so for me, because I'm a little ADD and a little all over the place, it, it's figuring out what do I like versus what do I need? Ooh, that's and good too. what I like is, Hey, I like to pick up a hot wheel every now and again, that piques my interest. I like a good book. I like my coffee, but I need to make it, you know, I need to eventually make my own book. I need to eventually, you know, make my way in this industry. And I've had this goal to like really make a name for myself in the car industry to, Hey, I want to be on the hall of fame. Hey, I want to be as an industry leader for these particular reasons. And I want to bring up a whole new generation that didn't think they could have access to this world. It's like those things I need to do. And I need to also respect who I am as a person and challenge myself. (laughs) Well, dude, thank you so much for your time. Clearly you have a lot of things going on. So I appreciate you pushing some of that aside to talk to dads. Uh, And thank you, Ezekiel Wheeler, for attempting fatherhood. Of course. Always, (laughs) always a struggle, but always a reward. So I enjoy it. Thanks for hosting this, man. This is such a great podcast. So thank you for putting this together. Yeah, dude. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to Attempting Fatherhood. My whole hope with this is that we build a community that encourages dads and that brings new information to the table and and gets you excited about living your life, doing what you're doing. If you have felt that way, please make sure you rate us on Spotify, on Apple. Just rate us. Give us some stars, hopefully five. And make sure you share this. That's equally important. It's a great way to build community, to share this information with other dads. You know, start a text chain, whatever. That helps us. That helps you. We grow this community and all that. Thanks again for listening. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at Attempting Fatherhood. Again, thank you so much. And have a great day. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.